Our next uh, presentation today is from Sarah. Um, and Sarah, I'm, I'm going to butcher your surname, I, I feel, but hi, Maya, I think. Yes? Close enough, I think that's what... Perfect. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, Sarah's, gonna, uh, Sarah's from Prosper um, and is going to talk to us about how to improve um, our design research practice. Um, please join me in welcoming Sarah to the stage. Thank you so much. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Steve. Uh, you did say my last name right, so thank you very much. Uh, it's super hard. There's too many E's in it and I's. Uh, so, uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, as a teenager, my, I'd get out of bed at 5am on a Sunday morning to go in and slice bread in Woolworths. And so I'd be in the bakery section at 5am and believe me, in the beginning, I was not the best thing since sliced bread. In fact, uh, I was, it was pretty chaotic and very stressful. Let me set the scene for you. I'm running around, slicing bread, dealing with complaints from customers, and there's just, the bread's just not going very well. I'm, as I'm going, as I'm, uh, as I'm slicing the bread, uh, there's, there's certain days where I've sliced all of the bread and people actually want to slice their own bread or one time I even sliced all of the bread as sandwich bread and turns out that people also want toast bread. There was two different sides to the bread slicer, uh, one for sandwich and one for toast. Uh, I didn't even realise there was a difference, I just threw all of the bread down one side uh, and <laughs> hoped for the best. Uh, and don't even get me started on the donuts. Has anyone ever made donuts before? Because uh, I have. Uh, I got to do the bread and the donuts at the same time. And doing them together was surprisingly challenging. I'd be slicing the bread and then the donuts would start getting backed up and be too hot to pick up. And in all of these weird shapes and sizes because the dough would run out and <laughs> I'd forgot to refill it. Uh, and then I'd be frantically picking them up, boiling hot, putting them on a stick and then rolling them in cinnamon and obviously throwing out all of the disformed donuts that I created. Uh, and, and eventually, uh, I'm, I'm do, doing the bread and the donuts at the same time and I just have all of these angry customers just coming in and complaining to me because I sliced all of their bread, I sliced it in the wrong way, I also destroyed their donuts. Uh, and turns out that people really want their bread and donuts on a Sunday morning. Like, who would have thunk? Like, and so the thing is that I learned that, uh, well, actually, I'll step, take a step back. So what I did as, as my process was that I ended up throwing a bunch of bread into the bread slicer just to like make sure that I had enough. Uh, and then just throwing it in both sides just so that I had so that I made sure that I had toast and sandwich bread. But even then, like there was still, I was just still madly running around and there was just displeased customers everywhere. Uh, and so this complete chaos is what can happen with customer research when it's not done right and a process isn't followed. So today, 
I'm going to take you through what to do before, during and after your research so that it doesn't turn into a complete customer nightmare like my bread uh, and my donuts, which just didn't turn out very well. Uh, because when you know how to run impactful research, then you can create valuable, actionable customer insights that you can apply to your designs and then get your whole team on board in the process. So, The first thing to do is, before your research, is planning. So, uh, One of the things that I really, uh, that's really important to get right at the start is to define clear research objectives. And so making sure that you work with your team to really start to define what it is that we want to learn and what are we starting to explore together. Uh, so defining the decisions that you're trying to make, the learning that you're trying to do, and then any hypothesis that you're trying to uh, solve throughout this research. And so how I've done this before is when doing research into our three to five year vision, I defined one of our research objectives with my team, getting them on board together, as to understand how we want customers to feel when they're interacting with us. And so by identifying this as our research objective together and plus a few others, I was able to get them really bought into the value that we're delivering as an organization and where are we going? Uh, and therefore with the research, what do we really want to do together? And then uh, the other part of this is to be able to give people that opportunity to be creative uh, throughout your research. And so if you just ask questions, it can be really restricting. And so what we want to do is allow people to, to really engage, to do different activities, and to also talk about stories. So you want to do things that allow them to tell different stories, and also those stories that talk about their past behaviour, as well as uh, talking about their past behaviour, as well as their past experiences. So you're really able to start to understand uh, them and, and their experiences. So you can apply that to your designs. And so what I really love to do is give people activities to do, like storyboards, worksheets, metaphors, puzzles, and really getting them to, to engage in different ways. And so when I was doing research into tablets, what I did was I gave people uh, the activity to basically write love letters and hate letters to their iPad. Uh, it was super fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> and so... Uh, through, throughout the love letters, what I was able to hear from people was that they loved their iPad because it allowed them to connect with their family. They were able to communicate in the way that worked for them. So they were able to draw, do handwriting, whichever way that they wanted to. And then say when they're working, they didn't feel like they were tied down by like a really heavy computer. They were able to go anywhere. They had that freedom to, to work wherever. Whereas in the break, uh, breakup letters, uh, to their tablets, I heard about how hard it was to create content and how it was just not a very fun process, like copying, pasting, moving, moving between tabs. Uh, and so I was really able to see and understand those different emotions that people were, were experiencing when creating that content. Or another example that I have is when to, uh, start doing some research into a new value proposition for our organization. I got people to start talking about their feelings in terms of like how, uh, how they felt towards their finances. And so I gave them these different emotion cards, laid them out on the table, and it really helped people to start to articulate their thoughts and their feelings. And so I heard stories from people uh, about someone had recently gone through a really nasty divorce, and I heard how stressed they felt and anxious they felt about their finances. They were really nervous because they had quite a lot of credit card debt. They were trying to pay off their home, and they were just very stressed out. 
They were working three jobs, uh, which is also why they were there speaking to me. And I was able to really understand these stories and hear from them and start to understand their experiences and getting them really engaged in the process. Or another one that I, f I find really fun, uh, I do improv just casually because uh, it's super fun. Uh, and one of the games that we, we do, recommend improv if you want to do it, uh, shout out. Uh, and then one of the games that we do is creating a proverb. Uh, so it's really, what is a proverb? It's a simple and, and insightful saying. And the process of doing this is that you get everyone to stand around in a circle, then one word at a time, they each say a word, and they go around in the circle, and eventually it'll come to a point in time where you're like, you're like you feel it in your stomach, that you're like, this proverb's done. Uh, and so then, like, the, you're not creating ones that exist, like ones that already exist are like, the apple doesn't fall far from the, far from the tree, all the glitters isn't gold. You're, creating your own made up proverbs. And it's really about getting the team on the same page, having fun and getting them to just connect with each other. So ones that I've, one, one that I've done before with, dog, uh, with uh, improv is you must pat every dog. And so once you get to the end of the proverb, you, everyone has to go like, yes, 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 yes. Uh, but you have to do it as like a fancy golf club, like, cause otherwise it's like, you can't do a real club. Uh, cause you're wide philo wise philosophers, like. You have to do a fancy club. And the other part of this is that it's really about like not coming up with something clever. It's just like whatever you make together. And then the last part around planning that I find really, uh, really helps in terms of research is that thinking ahead as to like, where are we going? And so planning's a really important part to go, how are we gonna do the synthesis? How are we gonna do this playback? And really having that in mind at the start and the other part of this is also to create something that really resonates with your stakeholders so that they're able to connect with it. And it's something that's, that you're not just like giving them a, a like bit of a, a thesis pack or like we're just gonna send out the PowerPoint. It's creating something that really articulates what you found out, allowing them to connect with it and really start to under understand it and then go back to it and refer to it. And so how I've done this before is when doing research into our three to five year vision, I had all these different images that I gave my, my team to start to articulate what does our future feel like? What does it look like? How do people interact with each other in the future? And so what I heard was stories around uh, that our future experience is like a PT. They're there to coach you. They tell you what diet to take. They make sure you do the exercises right. And then they also keep you accountable when you just don't want to do anything anymore. Or that it's also like, it's like a barber. They, they know me. It's customized to me. They take the time, they take the care, and they really get to know me. And so when planning this research, I knew that at the end of it, what I really wanted to do was be able to play it back to the team to make sure that they could visualize it together with me. And so once by the end of it, I was able to use these to play back to the team and then also craft our experience principles. And by having these images as part of the research and then my playback, everyone was able to really start to see what experience were we creating? Where were we working towards in three to five years? Uh, so now that you've planned your research, uh, probably surprised, but now it's time to run it. So, the, I don't know if you've heard about this part before. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a few other people that have talked about co-design. Uh, I feel like we like, we're in cahoots. Uh, but the, one of the really important parts in terms of like running research uh, and just like overarchingly in terms of like the design process is using a co-design approach. 
And so making sure that you unlock new perspectives uh, and identify more ideas, because uh, you're, you're able to identify more ideas with your teams by working with them. And also the people who are experts in terms of the problem that you're solving. And so bringing them along for the journey and making them central to your design process so that they can have a creative contribution when you're forming and then when you're solving your problems. And so how I've done this before is when doing research with financial advisors. Uh, so what I did was I invited a bunch of them along uh, and basically gave them creative control of designing a new dashboard for how do we create financial advice. And so we had this whole new tool and really getting them to basically reshape these boxes, use their imagination, and then applying their own workflow to how we created that financial advice tool that worked for them and how they did financial advice. And what I ended up doing was, uh, I only invited one advisor from each practice, but I ended up having like whole financial advice practices come along, uh, which uh, they like to tell me often when I worked with them, their time's very expensive. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so what I was able to do was show them the value of them being part of the design process and getting them on board to then come along to all of these sessions so we could really deep dive and understand their process and make a tool that worked for them. And so what I was able to really understand from their process is that what the advisors were doing is that they were applying different actions to their customer situation, seeing how it impacted their goals, and then also looking at their projections to go, uh, their financial projections to go, have I put this customer in a better place? Have I done not a very good job? Should I make changes? And really being able to work with their workflow so that we designed a tool that enabled them to create great financial advice and a tool that also worked for their workflow so that they could make, it made it much easier for them to do things. And the next part of uh, running your research is to then take structured notes. And so this one's really around that, being able to potentially for the different types of research that you're running is to save valuable time in terms of like, if you don't need to go through the transcripts or if you're able to create something that you can refer back to easily uh, during the session, having your note taker do something that, that uh, that's make sure that your notes are structured. And so how I've done this before is when doing research into uh, super offers, where what I did was I had all of these different cards that we were using. And so we printed all of these out and then also gave them to, I had a set for my participants and then a set for my note taker. And so what, what we did was, is we had these, these different cards and then we took the post-it notes and put them onto each of these offers so that when we laid them all out, we were able to then see what, which ones performed well, what changes should we make and which ones uh, should we go forward with? What are the opportunities that we've identified to go forward with? And it meant that it really helped us to save that time and then also identify what gaps we had in our research as well. Or another way that I love to be able to get my stakeholders involved in research is I create like custom note-taking pages for them. And so this one was when doing research into our, uh, into our updated value proposition for the business. And so I created these unique cards that the, the stakeholders were able to use that aligned to the different activities we're doing and areas we're exploring so that they could then write down what are they seeing, what are they observing? And they were able to actually get involved in the research instead of just coming along, playing on their laptop, listening. And it meant that they were able to articulate what am I hearing, what's working, what's not, and then be involving them in the discussion that we had afterwards. And so then the next, 
Should I just go back? Uh, and then the next part of this is to use summary activities. Uh, and so what I love to do uh, is to have these different summary activities that allow customers to really help, it, help them to like summarize their thoughts as to what, do we, uh, what have we discussed during the session? What do we, uh, what are the different elements that they've talked about? And then helping them to then articulate it in a really easy way. So then I can either use this for video, uh, video snippets, or just a new way for them to talk about what we've explored throughout the session. And so, <laughs> uh, and so how I, I've done this before is when designing a new financial app, is that I gave people three wishes that they could ask, ask the magic genie that we had about their finances. And so what I heard was questions around, what shares should I buy? How do I make my finances manage themselves? How do I plan for retirement? And then, of course, like everyone asked for more wishes, like it's a magic financial genie, like why wouldn't you? Uh, <laughs> sadly, they couldn't. Uh, and, and so what we were able to do was understand what, what people were looking for, what were their different needs for this financial app, and how, how could we solve them going forward? And then at the start of that research, we had this self-reported around understanding people's confidence with finances and who they ask questions to. And so we'd ask them to basically fill out this, uh, use it at the start to really get an understanding of uh, how confident do they feel they are. And then when we got to the end of the session, we were able to go like, based on like some of the questions that they asked the genie, like where do we feel like they sit? And therefore, what needs do they have? What gaps are, are they, do they have in terms of their knowledge? And then also we're able to understand these different customer archetypes of what are their needs, what are they looking for, and how does this differ from their self-reported of what they really want. Uh, so you've run the research, now it's time to do your synthesis and your playback to your decision makers. Uh, so what I love to do after each session is to do a brain dump straight, straight away. So doing this individually so that I, we don't uh, add in any extra biases from anyone else who's in the session. Uh, but basically putting down like what stood out in the session and then also identifying what is it that, we, that we've heard, uh, as well as like what changes do I want to make going forward into the next sessions so that I'm able to start to see if, have we answered our research objectives, do we need to make any changes? And then the other part of it is as well is once you've done a bunch of research sessions, like say uh, one time I did like 18, uh, able to then look back at each of these 18 sessions that you might have forgot about, but being able to look back and go like, oh, we did interview this person, here's a bit of a summary, so it helps you to go forward with your synthesis. And then the other part that I find really handy is to have a, have a presentation template. So helping you to simplify your process uh, and creating fa familiarity for your stakeholders to allow them to know what to expect going forward. And what are they... Uh, what should they expect by the end of the research and allowing them to have something that they, they get used to as well. And so how I've put this together before is one that I use is I have my research objectives at the top. This is either like in a PowerPoint or in Confluence. Then I have a description of my participants. Uh, who did we interview? What were their, some of their characteristics? Then I have different sections of my research. Uh, and breaking it down into those and then repeating this section uh, for each of the different uh, areas of my research. And so then I have the screens, illustrations or diagrams from the research uh, so that my, uh, so my stakeholders can connect with it. And then below that, any insights or findings that we had. And then the really important part, the recommendations, like what is our so what? 
What are we recommending we go forward with? And then any additional research. So I find this part is super helpful because then you can go, what are some of the things that we didn't answer during this research? What are some of the questions that came up that we didn't realize? Or also I find when the stakeholders are asking like, oh, did we find out this? Did we find out that? It's the perfect thing to go then, like this isn't a once off, like this is a, a regular activity that we're doing together. And then the other part of it is in your presentation to use real examples from your research. And this is really about being able to bring your research to life so that people can connect with it and start to engage with it. And so helping your stakeholders to really start to understand it as well, so that it's not just some words, it's like putting visualizations alongside it. And so how I've done this before is that I've put together, uh, when I've been working on doing research into our three to five, uh, into primary and secondary accounts for like bank accounts, like how do people structure their, their finances? I got uh, people to basically map out what is their financial world? What does that experience look like? And so on a page, they just basically had a blank page. They could put it, put together like all of the different products that, uh, that they were using, the ones that they'd swap to, how do they connect together? And what are those relationships with them? How are they using them? Which ones are working? Which ones did they get rid of recently? And so mapping that out, I had each participant do that. And then as part of my playback, what I did was is that I, I grouped them into those different areas that we, we had identified and used that to play back to my stakeholders so that they could start to connect with the research and really understand what we were looking, what we had found out. And so we found out that there was like three different areas of research, uh, of product, financial products they were using. One's to like have cash come in, to store it. One where they had like money going out, coming in, or like getting payments. And then below that, like how are they managing it like for tax time? And so really starting to understand those interconnection part elements. And so, and then also where did they overlap? What products were used for multiple things? And by doing that, what we were able to then understand is uh, how, how did our stakeholders want to use this? And by presenting it to them, I was able to then see like, oh, these are the really important areas that they wanted to deep dive in. What, where did they have more questions? And then also presenting over the top of this, our insights and so then talking about like this is what we found out around payments this is what people really wanted to use this for and so then they were able to easily make decisions and go forward uh, with the research and apply it to to our, our new like app that we're working on and then the other part of this were uh, of another example that I have was research that I was doing into uh, parental leave to start to understand uh, what happened in terms of that experience, what, what led up to that, like what were some of the key milestones that, that people had during that time. Uh, so looking back and getting, them, getting each person to map uh, from today and go backwards to before they had their child, before they took parental leave. And what we were, what we were doing was getting them to map what are those key milestones that they have uh, around work, around changes in their living situation, key decisions that they made, or anything like around parenting as well. And then below that, what are those, dis, uh, those challenges or worries that they have? What were those really important points in time uh, that they had really big questions? And so we got them to each map out their timeline so that we could understand that process that they were going through. And then also getting them to uh, identify points in time where they wish that they made changes or that they had a choice that they regretted. 
And so I heard, one of the stories that I heard from people was around, uh, I had this couple who'd recently bought a sports car. Uh, it was a really fancy sports car. They spent a lot of money on it. They financed it, uh, but it was a two door. And then a couple months later, they found out that they were pregnant. Uh, and sadly, the pram didn't fit in the car. And then also the baby didn't fit in the car, <laughs> which was super important. Uh, and so they had this big regret around like, oh, why did we finance this car? Like we have to pay it all back and then we have to sell the car, we make a loss. And so we're able to start to see like those relationships that people had like with their money and how did it pan out? What were choices that they made that they, did, they regretted? And we mapped this out on the timeline. And then what we did was as a summary playback to our stakeholders is that we mapped out these key milestones that people had the key questions that they were asking about their finances uh, and leading up to parental leave or any leave that they were taking so that we could really understand what are those opportunities and where are we going forward with like what should we be doing as an organization and so just to recap uh what i've what i've gone through uh the key things to do before research uh is when you're in that planning phase is to define clear research objectives, then give your participants the opportunity to be creative, and then also think ahead as to where you're going, where are you going, what are you, how are you going to synthesize, how are you going to play back. Then when running your research, you want to use a co-design approach, take structured notes, and then also use summary activities for your research as well. Then when you're doing that playback to, to decision makers, you want to make sure that you do a brain dump straight after each session, have a template for the presentation you give to decision makers, and then also include real examples from the research that you've done in your playback. So uh, you might be wondering, uh, was I fired from Woolworths? Uh, a very valid thought because there's bread flying everywhere and donuts everywhere. Uh, although over time, I figured out the process as to what I needed to do when. And I figured out that first, I needed to put bread down both sides of the bread slices so that we had sandwich bread and toast bread. Like, who would have thunk? Uh, and then I figured out not to slice some of the bread because some people didn't want me to slice the bread. They wanted to slice their own bread. I figured out how to do the bread and the donuts at the same time. And it became a carefully timed symphony. I knew to put the donut dough into the donuts, donut machine, then go back to the bread, then back to the donuts, just in time to take six perfectly shaped donuts, put them on a stick, roll them in cinnamon, and then six is just the right amount to then slide into the box. So from doing that, I was able to then really figure out what I needed to do so that I could really do my role right. And by the end of it, what I found was that, uh, my that I had a lot less angry customers. Some would even like, come up and ask me how I was, and they would smile at me. Uh, and they wouldn't be yelling about, at me about bread, because the bread was all fine. And the donuts weren't misshapen this time. And so what this uh, proves is that once you design and execute a really great process, and you're, what you're able to then do is you're able to create, make your products better. And then also you're able to make your customers really uh, much happier in terms of your experiences that you deliver to them. 
So uh, thank you so much. Uh, I really enjoyed being able to share, share of my thoughts. Um, so if you'd love to connect, ask any extra questions, we have question time now. Uh, but I'd love for you to, if you wanted to connect and like ask any questions after the conference or come chat to me afterwards, would more than welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Questions for Sarah? And while you're thinking of that, I, I have one, which is um, how do you, uh, the, the way you laid out that process, you were talking about having a, like a, a, a template early on in the process, it seemed. Um, I, I run into this thing when I'm doing research where it's, it's very late in the process that I get a sense of what, what I'm trying to say back about the research question and therefore how best to tell that story. Um, and the format can change and the template can change. Like, how do you manage that in, in your process? Yeah, and I guess it really depends on the, the type of research that you're running. And to say like for usability testing, um, sometimes like I, I find that like having a template like super handy because like you often have like pretty similar like findings or outcomes. Hmm. Um, when I'm doing like internal workshops or anything with the team, uh, when, when I, we have like really clearly defined like this is the objective of like we really want to understand our sales and service process, um, then knowing that like this is going to come out with like a journey map or something like that, like those ones are really easy. But yeah, there's certain types of research where it's like you can like go like, oh, this is what it's going to look like. And then once you find out everything, like everything changes. Mm. And so it's really having that like flexibility to go like certain points in time, like this is going to work. We're going to be able to use a template for it. And then other points in time, like this is not going to work. Um, and just accepting that uh, based on the different types of research that you, that you do. But I find that having something in place so that when it is like a nice uh, certain type of research project, it allows you to then build that familiarity for your team. And then also when you do change it, like they understand like why. Yeah, I guess it, it also gives you a clear plan of what sorts of things you're trying to capture. Yeah. So we, you know, we will need photographs, we will need video yeah. or we will need audio, whatever those components might be for your, for your final report. Yeah, yeah and, and kind of knowing that and then making sure that you include that throughout the, the process of like, what do, we, what do we really want to be able to communicate and what have we used before that we found has really resonated with our stakeholders to make sure that they get on board? Like, is it data that they really look for? Is it uh, images that they really connect with? And having that clear of mind at the start so that when you run the research, you like really know what, uh, what's going to get them on board when you do that, that playback to them. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the audience for people who have questions. So if you do, just put your hand up and I'll, I'll, I'll come over. Um, I'm, I'm curious, uh, Sarah, at, during that, um, the, the research planning process in particular, that question that often arises around how many people should we be including in the, in the research? Can you talk at all about like how you, how you determine the, the, the quantity of people that you speak to? Yeah. Yeah, um, so this is one that, yeah, I always struggle with too. Uh, especially some of the research that we've been doing recently is like different industries that we've been speaking to uh, and, then, and, then, and then different like brackets in terms of like turnover for businesses. And so what we've started doing is like about like six to eight participants as like an initial like 
mixture of industries, mixture of like weight, uh, like turnover for the business to really get that initial view of like what is happening. And then once we have that initial view of like, oh, okay, this is the, the space that we, we understand it a bit more. And then what we're able to then do is like target in a bit more and go like, oh, we really want to start researching with people who um, own construction businesses or like this is their turnover. And then we're able to then like really help that to guide in terms of the number of people we should be speaking to. Because uh, we find that like a lot of businesses are quite different. And so then allowing us to have that like initial scope of research, like doing like that six to like eight people or something like that and then we go like oh okay we found out like we really need to deep dive into like beauty services then we can then uh, uh, adjust it and then figure out like do we do like 12 of them because like they're so different like what does what should we do going forward yeah i think uh, understanding the variability that you have to deal with is always a tricky part early on um, Ellie has a question, which is, how have you navigated influencing and getting others on board to follow the set out process, e.g. having structured notes? Um, do you have tips for helping smooth this behaviour change? Yeah. I find um, like working really closely with the team as we're planning, um, when I'm working with other designers to go like, oh, how do we want to do this? And then like taking everyone's ideas on board as to like what what, what do we feel like is going to work? Like, how do you take notes? And like having that flexibility as well. So like not being like, oh, this is how we have to do it. But like, if they're more someone that like, wants to like review the transcripts, like take like high level notes throughout the process and then like um, review them later on, um, figuring out and working with your team as to what works for them and what's a way that enables them to do their best work uh, when you can uh, collaborating together as well. And then the same with the stakeholders, like figuring out like what is the best way for them to be able to take notes, like do they use Confluence? Do they use like PowerPoint? Like do they more like handwrite notes? Like what is the best way for them to collaborate? And so then you're able to get to that, that really good outcome. Um, I have another question from uh, Nane, which is um, firstly, he, he liked the work experience at Woolworths. Um, <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. Uh, the question though was, how do you manage the level of depth in the analysis? Um, sorry, I didn't hear the question because I was too busy laughing. No, that, that's uh, fair enough. Uh, I actually <laughs> thought that story was going to end up with you slicing donuts, by the way. But um, the, the question was, how do you manage the level of depth in the analysis? Yeah. Uh, so uh, in terms of like, yeah, the level of depth, um, I guess it, it really depends on like the type of research that you're doing um, and like the number of participants. Um, and so what I normally do is like, do like an initial like synth of like this is what we think we're getting towards um, to like not make it like anxiety inducing that it's like everything's everywhere uh, and it's on fire. Uh, so get at that in initial perspective and then like then do that kind of like deep dive to go then further into like oh do we need to like review the transcripts a bit more to like figure out what are we doing? Uh, have we missed anything? Does this like resonate with everyone? And then and then kind of like taking it step by step. Uh, instead of just like being overwhelmed by all of the information uh, and then just freezing up. So yeah, that's like slow process of like allowing you that time to think and then that time to like initially form your thoughts and then go like, what do, what do we think going forward that we need to do? I've, I've seen people struggle with the amount of data um, and, and sort of rush to start writing the report because there's so much to talk about that they sort of 
you know, like we've, we've got to get started report writing, um, giving yourself the time to actually go through that analysis process, let it percolate, get your story right, actually helps the report writing. The report, you know, like is, is a lot easier to write if you give yourself enough time on the analysis. Yeah, and I find also like laying it out as a story as well, like allows you to do that. And so then like having like either like a template or something in place, but then allowing yourself to like lay it out and go like, does this story make sense based on like what I've heard? Uh, do the people who have observed it, do they all connect with it as well? Uh, and making sure that everyone's like on board with it as you go through that process. Uh, because yeah, if you rush it, then it's just like spend a lot of money doing research and time. Uh, <laughs> and now you're just going to have to redo it in like yeah. a couple months or something. Thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you.